Last Wednesday, uh, if you were here, um, Pastor was talking about destroying or fighting Amalek. And today I've titled this sermon as Devote to Destruction. Devote to Destruction. Devote to Destruction. I've copied that phrase from a newfound love that I have for the English stra- Standard Version. You, never, you don't find those verses in other translations. Devote to Destruction. We'll look at what it means today. Thank God for the 1st February of 2017. You are here. One month is always already gone by. 11 months left. Time passes so fast. Lord, give us grace to catch up. Let us not always fight and play catch up, but let us be in step with the spirit as Galatians would have us, would exhort us. Devote to destruction. We heard uh, previously that we have three enemies, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Not all the same. All do not fight the same person. We looked at that several times and we were concentrating on the first, the flesh, the one who is inside of us, the enemy within is more dangerous than the enemy without. I, 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 I remember giving you this analogy of, um, of Golconda Fort. Remember Golconda Fort? There was this uh, guide who was explaining to the tourists the, the impregnable wall of the Golconda Fort. How incredibly well designed it was against to, to, to thwart off any enemy attack. The walls impregnable. Everything was so perfect. And if uh, there was a sentry at the, at the foot of the hill who would warn that the, the acoustics were so well designed. If he had to warn the army, he just has to clap. I mean, if you've gone to Golconda Fort, you know what I'm talking about. So, and the guide, even as he explains this, uh, uh, the construction and the engineering and the architecture of this of this incredible fort um, he says how do how do the how do we then how did then the enemies destroy uh, this place very simple if the walls are impregnable bribe the sentry you see the enemy inside is more dangerous than the enemy outside and that fellow he's a person we looked at that last time the flesh that's uh, very difficult uh, when we start off our, our journey to understand this concept, but let's put it in perspective and let us try to understand from the Old Testament and from the New Testament at what, what it means. The flesh, the world, and the devil. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 will say something very interesting. It says, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Got that? That is the New King James Version. The ESV puts out very interestingly. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The, the flesh has desires. The spirit also has desires. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. There's a incredible person that we need to overcome on a daily basis. Every day of our lives to break through this wall of um, of the flesh. Now, if you look at the entire Bible, when it comes to sin, the description is very graphic. When we are asked to overcome sin in our lives, why should we overcome sin in our lives? First Peter chapter 2 will say, 
since he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, he was crushed on the tree, so that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. When it comes to dealing with the old nature and sin, the symbolism is so graphic and it is actually very bloody. Very bloody. See, many of us don't like blood. No, we, when we Even when we go to the chicken shop, we don't, when the chicken is being decapitated, <laughs> everybody turns the other way. The other day I went and I said, Emmanuel and Abigail just turned the other way. I couldn't see it. You know, my wife says, don't, I can't marinate that, that flesh. The blood is too ee. You like to eat it, right? I mean, <laughs> in other words, you do the dirty job, marinate it. So not, from now on, I've been taking credit for all the non-veg items because I marinate. But this, the point is this, because none of us like that, you see? The smell of blood, the, the very sight of blood, it's repulsive. But in the Old Testament, if you see, and this was offering for ignorant sin, it was not for conscious sin, by the way. If you have sinned ignorantly, you take a sacrifice and... Right from morning till evening, there was sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And you'll see that the place was a virtual slaughterhouse, blood all over. Why? Why God was teaching Israelites a very, very profound truth. Sin is very serious in my sight. And the very first promise, therefore, of the New Testament is, you shall call his name Jesus, for therefore, because he is going to save his people from their sins. Very serious. Very serious. And the destruction that you see around, Romans chapter 8 verse 20 will say, for creation, you know what? Our sin when Adam sinned had global consequences, universal consequences. You see? That's the reason why it says, for the creation, for, for the creation groans, are, is, is waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, for creation was subject to futility. Who subjected it? Not willingly. They didn't say, let us be subject to futility. Not willingly, but was subjected by Him in the hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain to the freedom of the glory of the sons of God. What does it mean? Your salvation and my salvation, therefore, also has eternal consequences and eternal perspectives. God, when he made the universe, he said, uh, in, the, in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and darkness covered the waters, and the Spirit of the Lord brooded upon the waters. And God said, let there be light, and it was good, and good, and etc., etc. He finishes the creation, he finishes creating man and woman, perfect. In the perfect creation, everything was made perfect, perfect man, perfect woman. And then sin entered, and the entire creation was destroyed. Now, later on, what is he going to do now? Now he's going to recreate man in the image of God, and then he's going to do a new creation, which is a new heaven and a new earth. The whole process is reversed. Your sin and my sin has got global consequences. And you see that throughout, when you see suffering, many people hate suffering, but many people don't hate sin. It's a fact. We all 
stay, you know what, this is wrong, this is wrong and we, why should people suffer, etc, etc. Many people hate suffering but they don't, they don't understand why the suffering is there in the first place. They miss the whole point. John Piper calls it a parable of suffering. It's trying to teach us a lesson and you don't get it. You see? So it's a very incredible picture that we have in the Bible. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 6. I want to do uh, Romans chapter 8 verses 5 to 8. For those who live according to the flesh, it's talking about the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So how do I know if I am in the spirit or in the flesh? I check my appetite for spiritual things. If it is alive, then I know that I am in the spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it cannot, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is, can, it cannot, the word cannot is powerless. Those who are in the flesh, what is that? Cannot please God. Got that everybody? Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Romans chapter 8 verse 8 will say, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 will say, without faith it is impossible to please God. By the way, the word, the root word for impossible and cannot is the same. You're powerless to please God without faith. And then Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38, by my, but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You see? So when you come to the New Testament, when you come to the New Testament, there are several analogies God tries to use in the New Testament to give us tools to understand how to overcome sin. For example, the analogies, sometimes he calls us a farmer, an athlete. By the way, Rafani reached his fourth Australian Open final and he prophesied that he's going to lose and he lost because of you. <laughs> but 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 you know what? When I saw Rafa, the reason why I like this guy, the commentators when he was reaching the the semi-final, they used a very powerful phrase. I was I thought they were literally plagiarized that phrase from the Bible. You know what they said? This man has got an unadulterated love for the sport. I said, that is James. You f- adulteresses and adulteresses, friendship with the world is enmity against That is my, my language. He's plagiarizing it. You should see the comeback of Rafa. I mean, remarkable, remarkable. Even though he lost the final. An athlete. I mean, he has this insatiable appetite to win. One commentator says he's got this, he's got, he kills himself. That's the, that's the phrase that he use, they use. They, he, they kill, he kills himself to win. Do we have that kind of an attitude when it comes to, to eternal, eternal glories? Do we kill ourselves, literally? So we have these analogies in the Bible. Farmer, the athlete, of course, athlete runs for glory, right? An investor. The parable of the miners. You know what I'm talking about. A manager. We don't like the word steward. Okay, so we'll use the word manager. A guy who manages. 
And then you have a slave, a slave to a master relationship. And then you have a pilgrim, an exile, and also you have the analogy of a soldier. I put that order deliberately, pilgrim to a soldier, deliberate. Why? why? I'll tell you why. If you've read the book, Pilgrim's Progress, pilgrim starts off as a Christian and with a huge load on his back. Remember that analogy? And then he goes to the cross, the burden is taken off. And even as he walks and he proceeds in his Christian life, something he's given to him on the way. The way he starts his journey from the cross and the way he ends his journey, if you look at his attire, you'll see that he is a pilgrim and he turns into a soldier. Thank you. I'm telling you, John Bunyan was a magnificent thinker. Super. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the way he seamlessly interspersed scripture into the characters of, 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 of Pilgrim's Progress. And I want to do that for the Sunday school. I'm encouraging my wife to do that for the Sunday school. It's remarkable to captivate the imagination of our generation to, to see that book, how this man would have thought of all those characters. He starts off with a pilgrim and ends up as a soldier. And that is very important and it's very graphic and I'll tell you why this is important for us in the context of the sermon. Why? Look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 to 4. Share in suffering. Okay? Everybody? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to Please the one who enlisted him. You see, that's the reason why, you know, if you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. Because you need to mortify the deeds of the flesh. And we'll come to that. There's a warfare terminology over there. Okay? You cannot please God. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles or pilgrims to abstain from the fash passions of the flesh which war against your soul. You see, there is a war which is going on inside. Sangharsh, if you will, in, in, in Hindi. It's an argument. There's an there's a, there's, there's argument and counter-argument as to why we should not. And when it comes to Christian life, it is warfare. And you don't like that, no? Warfare, bolato, you have to get up early in the morning and really, really, really have to be disciplined. You have to obey your commanding officer. You have to do so many things which you don't like to do. So people will say, Are we are uh, body of Christ, no? We are brothers and sisters. We are God's children. Etc, etc, etc. But we will never use that terminology for, for, for soldier because it, 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 it compels us. It, it really, draws us into a battle. I mean, we are in a battle whether you like it or not. Look at Why should we do that? In First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. You see that? You know, I like, you should see many preachers. You know, they, they like these sermons on, uh, I heard many sermons. What is your identity in Christ? Have you heard sermons like that? Yes. What are you? I am the righteousness of God. I am the son of Abraham. I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I am this, I am that. But have you ever seen a message, I am crucified with Christ? You'll find very 
Very little. See, even the identities that have been spoken to you, they have been spoken to you for a purpose because knowing the identity calls you or enjoins you to 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 fulfill the the obligations for which the identity actually is given to you first in the first place. But you are a chosen generation, chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies, you see, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Therefore, you see, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. This is what you are and therefore this is the responsibility for the identity that you possess now. So that is New Testament ethics by the way. Now look at another one. Romans chapter 6 verses 5 to 6. Very interesting. For we, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, look at this, that our old self was crucified with him. In other words, you know, the first salvation message is, Jesus died for your sins. When did he die? 2,000 years back when he shed his blood on the cross, all your sins were forgiven. Absolute truth. No questions asked. But do you also know the blood of Jesus which cleanses you from every sin, which makes atonement for your sin, which brings you closer to God, has also in that very act when he died on the cross, you also were put to him on the cross and you died along with him. See? That is New Testament ethics, you see. Christ died, you died. And therefore, let flesh die. Christ died, you died, therefore flesh died. We know that our old self was crucified with him in, our, in, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Galatians 5.24, because, because this is what you are, what has happened to you, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. You see, because they have, they know this, they do it every day of their lives. No, by the way, these are all concepts and they're very powerful. Okay, very, very powerful concepts. And like Pastor was talking about, unless we look at it in the context of the old covenant, we do not understand how do we apply these things in our own life. And what are those things which hinder us from putting to death the deeds of the body? You see? I mean, it's a, it's, this is a remarkable truth. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Perfect. For what the law could not do, God has done. How did he do it? By sending his son. The law could not do because it was weak through the flesh. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in his flesh, so that the righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us. These are all truths. Powerful truths. But how do we really appropriate them in our lives? And what is the analogies that we have from the Old Testament? And it says that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture, these things have been given to us as examples. So that by learning from them, learning from them, we may also have hope. Okay? So let us look at this concept of 
the flesh, and we looked at this concept last last uh, Wednesday as well about Amalek, when uh, the rod is struck, the rock is struck, water comes out, they drink of the water, and immediately who comes to attack? The Amalekites come to attack. If you, uh, I don't want to review that message. You can go back home and read it and study it. It's still not the the transcript is still not up. You can listen to the message and. It will be in that context. In First Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 to 3, look at another parable, if you will. Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. You see that? The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Peter, very powerful. You know what he says? To the elders who is among you, I exhort you as an elder. You know what he says? Shepherd. Don't rule. Shepherd the flock. Gorelu. Shepherd the flock of God, not your flock. This is shepherd the flock of God which is among you, not somebody else's flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. This is flock of God among you. So the Lord sent me to anoint you. This is exactly what Samuel is telling us all. The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Don't forget that. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Listen carefully. He who has ears to hear, let him hear is right from the beginning. And as usual, Saul didn't get it. Now thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. You see that? I have noted, uh, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him. You need to understand, one of the best, how do I know that I have got wisdom? People who have wisdom will learn from other people's mistakes. Okay? You see, very important, you will save a lot of your time. Don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> Don't experiment and come to your own conclusions. Experiment is already done and the papers have already been published. Learn. Learn from, that is the reason why people say if you don't learn from history, you are bound to repeat it. It might sound as a cliche, but most of us do it. Most of us do it. He says, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. This is uh, Samuel telling Saul. Look at what it says. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction. Boy, that is a powerful verse, right? Devote to destruction. All that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Don't spare them. Kill everything. What does it mean? No sympathy for the flesh. Okay? No truce, no compromise for the flesh. Put to death everything. You see? That is what he's trying to say. No sympathy, no truce. No, 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 no. That's what a lot of people say, no? These are small sins, these are big sins. We should fight those sins. Chota moto is okay. But chota moto fellows will grow one day. And they'll become giants. We don't know them. And that is the reason why when uh, when the Israelites went into every land, they killed the Canaanites. Everybody was killed. No sympathy, no truce, put to death everything. This is fight to the death. 
So, devote to destruction. Meaning, devote yourself. Brothers and sisters, devote yourself to destruction. Of everything that opposes God. Romans chapter 8 verse 12 to 13. We'll give you the New Testament equivalent. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. <laughs> to live according to the flesh. We don't owe that fellow anything. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Meaning, what, you, what does it mean? You will be eternally separated from God. Oh, this is not for uh, believers. Uh, this is for unbelievers. No, 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 no. This is for us. Romans was written to believers. To the church in Rome. To the believers in Rome. To the saints in Rome. To the saints in GTC. To the saints worldwide. If you live according to the flesh, you will. See, this is God, not me. You know, sometimes you don't get it. If you live according to the flesh, you will lose your crown. No. <laughs> You will die. But if you by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. John 6.63 It is a Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Flesh is no help at all. So devote to destruction everything. That is small. That is big. That is like an ox. That is like a donkey. That is like a camel. That's like a sheep. Like a sheep? How you, have you seen sheep? How innocent they are? Are you? Everything. 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 And we'll come to that. If you don't kill the flesh, the flesh will ultimately kill you. You will die. See, that is a lesson we're going to learn. And therefore, devote to destruction everything that is of the flesh. And how do we do that, first of all? And what hinders it? So that is the reason why... See, the reason why anointing is given, if I, if I can go back to the previous slide. Uh, Lord sent me to anoint you. See, the two ways, the anointing, there's an anointing that God gives us to work, to do a work through us to bless somebody else. There's an anointing that God gives us to, the, to do a work in us. That's the reason why Hebrews chapter 1 will say, you have been anointed with the oil of gladness above all your fellows. You know why? Because you loved righteousness and you hated iniquity. You see? And he says in 1 John chapter 2, it says, the anointing that you receive, it is the truth, it will teach you all things, it will lead you to the truth and the truth will set you free from all sin. So that is the reason why the anointing is given. Okay? You need to understand that. So let's go back. If you don't kill the flesh, the flesh will ultimately kill you. So let's go back. What happens to, 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 to Saul? A very sad story. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 7 to 9. The Saul, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Hivila as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction. You see? All the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul, and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs. You see that? And all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, all that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. 
Well, we'll try to understand what this means. Is it worth at all? Romans chapter 7 verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in my flesh. You need to understand something, okay? Um, I remember when I went into full-time ministry. There's nothing like full-time ministry, but full-time ministry, yes. I went home to my relatives. My parents are here, so I can see use that example. When I went home to my Christian relatives, Christian relatives, so you're coming to full-time ministry, but you studied all this. What is the logic behind giving up all this and doing ministry? That is what my relatives said, Christian relatives. Went to, went to college. There was one young man who was one, one of my colleagues a few years back. He came and he looked at me and he said, Vijay, oh, you finished your PhD now. Okay, great. So what are you doing? Uh, I'm, in a, I'm a pastor in a local church. And he looked at it full time. Full time. And he said, man, it's only the Christians and the Jains who have got that kind of a commitment. The Jains, okay. I thank God he, he, he mentioned Christians. And then he said, Look at me and he said, Vijay, you did your PhD, right? So what are you going to do with your degree? Why couldn't you not give that place to another person? You wasted a seat. No, that is okay for Subramanium to say. If, but John and Peter will say that, then it's a problem. Why? Why are you giving up all this? Look at Paul, Philippians chapter 3 verse 4. Though I myself have reason to, reason for the confidence in the flesh, for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Absolutely, I agree with Paul. You know, John Piper said the two reasons why I'm a Christian, one is because of Jesus Christ and the other reason is because of Apostle Paul. You read Romans. And if you finish reading Romans, and if you Come out of that, that meditation and if you do not, if you are not dumbstruck at the intelligence that God has given this guy. Brilliance, brilliance, incredible brilliance. The way he constructs logic and the way he quotes their own people. And he says, you know what? If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Man, at that point we should all give up. But you know what he says? But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. That is the reason why, you know what? We don't have excitement, like Pastor was talking about. We don't have excitement of knowing Christ every day of our lives. We don't have that. When you read the scriptures, for example, does God speak to you? And if God has spoken to you, have you been filled with inexpressible joy, which is full of glory? That is what Peter will tell Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you are filled with joy. Rejoice with exceeding joy which is full of glory and therefore have obtained the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
It is impossible to hear from God and to, and to stay passive. And not to be excited about it. See? For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Boy, that is a challenge for all of us. We are not there, for sure. This is, of course, he's writing at the end of his life. But do we have the desire? That inclination toward it? Do you have any words, do you think? Why should I give up this? Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence at all. And then you have, see, these are all traps, okay? Good things will block you. Why should you give that up? It's a good thing. Uh, I remember Pastor James talking about when people said, why do, why are you quitting your PhD? It's a good thing. You'll get a lot of invites because being a doctor is better than not being one. Let me say it's rubbish. It's rubbish. I mean, after having been in the ministry for at least one year, I understand it is rubbish for sure. To some level, I do. I do. I do. I really do. It's not worth it. Think about it, no? The brilliance, the brilliant minds, what they have done. No, that's the reason I tell the Graysome children when I, te- when I was teaching them the book of Proverbs, I said, you know what? A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. I told them, it is not important for you to be intelligent, but it is important for you to be diligent. It's important. Intelligence doesn't matter. Intelligence only will destroy you, actually. Because it becomes a stumbling block to knowing God. Because the way of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why do we have to destroy all those good things, goody-goody things? Why should we? Come on, they're beneficial. They're beneficial for us. But you know what? Underlying and undergirding all those things, there's a motive deep down inside of your heart God is going to expose. And we don't like to face up to that. I was telling yesterday in the Bible study, remove three Jewish people from the history of the world. Karl Marx. Oh, by the way, he was Jewish. For people who do not know, his name was Mordecai Levi, who proposed communism and socialism. Remove Sigmund Freud, the brilliant psychologist, Jewish. Remove Albert Einstein. Adam Bomb. Think about the world without these three Jewish people. You'll get a completely different picture. Think also about the world without Jesus, who was a Jew. Without Peter, without John, without James, without Paul. Without Isaiah and all the Jewish people who have given to us the scriptures. Think about them. These people had no confidence in the flesh and these people who exalted their flesh and their intellect. You know what? One brought destruction and one brought a blessing from the same race. From the same race. Paul. Paul Frugman, the Nobel laureate in in economics. You should look at his socialistic economic policy. Given a Nobel laureate in economics. Agendas to destroy. They are anti-God. 
anti-God. That becomes the biggest stumbling block to them. You know what? Because they have the highest per capita Nobel laureates. The Jewish people. That has become their stumbling block. Way of the cross? Come on. It's a stumbling block. <laughs> it's foolishness. Look at the good things that we possess. How we can change the world. That's, that's the, that's the undergirding philosophy, by the way. We have no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, you know what? If I, in other words, he says, if I was in the 19th century, I would have given Albert Einstein a run for his money. I would have, I think he would have been is in everything. You know what he says? No confidence. No confidence. No confidence in the flesh. Let's go back. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 13 to 14, 15. And Samuel, and Samuel came to Saul and the Saul said to, said to him, blessed be you to the, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Really? You see the denial in the flesh? Just because you have Kept something good for yourself. I remember, no, um, it happens in, I, I, I gave this example quite some time back. If, let's say you have in a, in a home a guy who's very smart, who gets good marks, okay? And he also does a lot of terrible things. It's okay, Ra. After all, he's getting good marks. Leave that is just a vice. These are just those are just small vices. It's okay, it's okay. Have you seen his degrees that he's got? He's got an IM. He's going to IIT. So what if he's got a girlfriend and he's not married and sleeping with her? So what? The very fact that he's got an IIT will atone for all his sins. And then he will say, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what then is this bleating of the sheep <laughs> in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that are here? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, not me, they. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. That means, you know, remember that? Paul was, uh, Jesus will say, uh, you have loved me with an everlasting, the God, Jesus says, God says through Malachi, I have loved you with an everlasting love. How did we love you? How did you love us? I loved Jacob. I hated Esau. If you call me father, where is my honor? If you call me father, where is my honor? We have honored you. How did you honor me? You brought the lame and the, and the, Deceased and all these sheep and you have given them to me and you offered the worst of your flock and you said that you honor me? You see, our devotion to the Lord is tested when we, when he asks us to lay down our best. Because he gave us his best. He gave us himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his best. You see, we don't give up. It's there, even in Andhra. I told you several times. In Andhra we have, no? First fellow, very intelligent, doctor. Second fellow, super intelligent, IIT. Third fellow, very, very, very intelligent, IS. Fourth fellow, not so very good. Let us send him to Bible college. 
It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it sounds as a cliche, but it is there. You see? Even when we want to give our children Christian education, our motives, what are our motives? See, I keep asking that question to myself every day, okay? Why do I, why am I giving Christian education to my children so that they have the character of God or they will be found ten times better? What's the motive? If the motive is to find that they will be found ten times better, the purpose is defeated. Devote to destruction. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I have. Denial. Have you confessed every known sin? That's what we ask you the question, right? When you go into the waters of baptism, have you confessed every known sin? I have confessed every known sin. Really? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you not hiding anything? Let's move on. You know what? Flesh hates radical obedience. Hates. Hates. In How? Why should you be so radical? Why should you be so radical? Why should you be, you be giving the best of best to the Lord? Look at what it says in um, Galatians chapter um, 4, verse 22 to 29. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born according to the promise. Now you brothers, verse 28 will say, like Isaac are children of promise, but just as the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. You know what it happens? Many, many, in many, especially in churches it, it happens. You have these brothers who are getting older in the Lord. Becoming very monotonous. There's no fresh revelation. Nothing fresh is happening into their lives. And there's come, there comes one young man on fire. Very radical. And those who are, it happens in many churches. In the moment they see young people on the fire, take it easy, cool. Don't become so radical. Don't become so radical. And they literally pour water on their fire. And who becomes the greatest stumbling blocks? The so-called elders. This happens. Don't have to. Don't have to be so radical. Don't have to be. You can keep it. You don't have to. Slowly we shall get rid of it. We'll start with we smoke uh, two packs of cigarettes. Let us slowly reduce it. One step at a time. Today two, today next day three. Let us go. It's gradually. Why should we give it up so early? You brothers like Isaac are children of the promise and when we find people who are radically obedient, we don't like them. You know why? Because their obedience convicts us and we don't like them. That's exactly what happened to Saul. You see Saul. Saul was always, this is, there was a sad thing about Saul. Not radical in his obedience. But whenever he found one guy, Jonathan, he wanted to even kill him. Jonathan said, I can't be like this. God is able to do it with one or with many. I am on fire for God. You want to join me? I'm going. He told his armor brother, I am going whether you want to come or not. If you want to come after me, it is your, your blessing. He goes, has a victory and who takes the credit? Saul. See? You brothers like Isaac are children of promise. You see? 
hates radical obedience. Do you hate? Do you want to really obey the Lord? This year, really? Really? Do you want to really say, Lord, I am putting aside these things enough of delving and wallowing in sin every day without any sense of victory in my life? Do we have that zeal and say, Lord, I enough, Lord, enough this year. Enough, I'm going to put away those relationships. I'm going to put away that, that pornography and those websites. I'm going to put away, put away all these things. I'm going to put to death. I'm going to radically, I'm going to go cold turkey as they say. If you don't have that, and if you don't overcome sin now when you're young, brothers and sisters, young brothers, we have time. Even as you grow older, your resolve will reduce. Problems will increase. Okay. Don't have to be. Don't be. Don't be half-hearted. No. Say, God, I'm going for you, hundred percent, hundred percent to the best of my ability. I want to please you. I want to please you. Let's move on. Verse ten. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret. I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandment. This is God's perspective. What does Saul say? I performed the commandments. What does God say? I, you did not. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. And then what happens? Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning and it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument. You see? You see that? The reason why he did this, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. Acts chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. About that time Herod the king, by the way this guy Herod, is a descendant of Esau. Okay, The king, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. You read the book of Acts completely. You know what? Every time the politicians want to release a prisoner, a Christian, they do not release him because you know what? It pleases the people not to release them. They are convicted that these people are righteous. But they will not do it because of popular opinion. About the time Herod the king had laid violent hands on some of the, some who belonged to the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. You know the story. Peter escapes. Okay. Then, you thought that was, this was a big crime? Absolutely. Was. But look at what it says in verse 21 onwards. On an appointed day, the same Herod put on his royal robes took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And all the people were shouting, the voice of God and not a man. Amazing, no? People love popular opinion and they got it. Popularity context. He won the popular vote, so to speak. Look at the next verse. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God glory. And he was eaten by the worms and he breathed his last. You know, if you read the New Testament, there are two, two words for death. One is fallen asleep. Nidrapoyadu. He slept in the Lord. 
And there's another phrase for death. You know what is the other phrase for death? Breathing his last. It is used only three times in the entire New Testament. That phrase. One with Herod, the other with Ananias, and the other with Sapphira. The, the New Testament, New, uh, sorry, the KJV translation will say, he gave up the ghost. Gave up the ghost. Three times. Why? Both Ananias and Sapphira and Herod, they wanted glory for themselves. They hate. You know, this lust for glory is there in all of us at different levels. You know, when I was growing up in my university, I used to have a, a very powerful mentor. And his name is Shibu Clement. He is a professor now in Bitsplani. He was a very, very powerful. I mean, my parents have seen him. Pastor also met him. He preached one in one of our Bible studies. He shared in one of the Bible studies long time back. Shibu Clement. No, I, re- I remember this man. He, the way he taught us, because of him, there was a revival on campus. I remember when we went to a camp. Okay, it was a camp after which we really, really uh, sensed God moving in our hearts, and we came to the Lord. Many of us, you know, took decision to get baptized, etc. And during that camp, he was he was the one who was staring, taking all the sermons, all the studies. Every message used to hit us. We used to all get convicted. We used to repent, and you know there was a real, real change. And after the afternoon, the morning session to the afternoon session, and after the afternoon session, there was a break, and then you had the evening session. One day after the afternoon session was over, I just wanted to. I just crossed my room, and I was going past Shibu's room to get water. All of the other guys were sleeping, or they were they went around Masuri to see some sightseeing to get some sightseeing. Okay, and I saw. Shibu, okay? Shibu flat on his face before God. You know, he was crying out. He says, Lord, Lord, let me never take the glory for what has happened here in this camp. Lord, let me never take... He didn't see me. I was watching him and I was just watching him pray. Lord, let me not take the glory. Let me not take the glory, Lord. Lord, forgive me, Lord. The lust for glory, Lord. He was on his face crying. You know that, more than all the sermons that he taught, I don't remember a bit that he taught us, but that very act that he was flat on his face before God, it was stunning. You know, that was his attitude throughout. Throughout! After the camp was over, we had the December program in IIT Kanpur those days. For the very first time, we organized a, a Gospel meeting in IIT Kanpur, which was a RSS stronghold, by the way, we invited all of our friends. We were all practicing for that, for that meeting, singing carols, etc. We were practicing and, you know, just before the, 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 the meeting, the next day, Shibu was there with us. He was exhorting us. The word came so powerfully. Everybody convicted and they all cried, repented of their sins, thanking God for the opportunity to serve. He was the one who exhorted. He was the one who organized. He was the one who gave the maximum. For that meeting. And the day of the meeting, where is Shibu? You don't find him. Who's on the stage? Vijay, Sandeep, Kishan, and all these guys. On stage, Shibu found nowhere. I was stunned, you know. I mean, these are the images that were in my mind. I said, boy, what an attitude. What an attitude. 
one thing that we accomplish for God and we want to blow the trumpet. So these are, I'm telling you, there are, there are not many mentors like this. You know, we all like to show off. We are a show off generation. We want to show off. Right from children, right from the time that they are, that, that they are growing, if they are, you know, very good at something. Come on. Abigail, show off. When the relatives come, come on, recite Psalm 23. Very intelligent. What a memory. Bappe gaya. So that you also get your glory. We have this lust. We vicariously satisfy our pleasure through our children. I failed in my life. My children should succeed. They should succeed. When they succeed, I will get the glory. My boy. See, we all have that lust. Lust for glory. Don't understand that this is a very serious... See, J- Herod was not killed because he killed Peter. I'm oh, sorry, James. He was not killed because he arrested Peter. He did not kill because he killed an apostle because he was killed because he took glory for himself and did not give glory to God. Incredible. And this guy is an Edomian. Edomite. A descendant of Esau. An Amalekite, if you will. Showing us the lust for glory which is there in each one of us. We do not like to do things secretly. That is the reason why Jesus said, if you pray, when you pray, go to your secret and pray. Your father who sees you in secret, when you give, let not your right hand know what your left hand is giving. What does it mean? And if it knows, if people, if you have been giving so that people can see, you already got your reward. What do you want? You wanted glory from before men. You already got it. You didn't seek glory from God. Therefore, on that day, you will not get glory from God. Lust for glory is there in each one of us, especially when it comes to spiritual things. It's there. I've accomplished so much. So many people got converted, etc., etc., etc. You know, and that is possibly the reason why God is very, He slowly, He builds character in each one of us and then gives us success. So that that success will not go into our heads. See, we all like encouragement. No, I'm not saying that we should not see success in in our lives. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. But let character come first. And let success follow character. So that the character, that success will not destroy us. Flesh hates giving God glory. Have you ever seen? What is he doing? Building a monument for himself. Saul saw it through it all. He knows it. Do I have the lust for popularity? Children? Lust for popularity? Is it there? Lust for popularity should be cool. Nobody loves me. Even in church. Even in church. The lust for popularity. Oh, so many people are going to that brother. Or that sister for prayer. They are not coming to me. There is this competitive spirit within the body of Christ. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's cancer. I, I tell you, I mean, those two verses in my life, they liberated me. First thing, if you do good, you will be accepted. If you do good, you will be accepted. 
It's a rhetorical question actually. If you do good, will you not be accepted? That is a question that God asks. So I just converted into a statement. If you do good, you will be accepted. The other thing, a man should not receive anything except it be given from him, but to give him to him from God. Everything else will destroy you. That is the reason why First Corinthians chapter 10 will say, the Lord will give you nothing more, he'll not give you more than what you can bear. What does it mean? Just not temptation, even prosperity. 25,000 rupees, you cannot bear 30,000 Baba, I know. <laughs> even prosperity, some people cannot bear it. So the Lord will not give you more than what you can bear. So I have, do I have the lust for popularity? Lust is there? To be a popular preacher, a popular expositor, for me, popular, he understands scripture, the way he memorizes, oh, the lust for popularity. What will I say with John? They heard him speak and followed Jesus. Do I have lust for that? Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, for I am now, for am I now seeking to, seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying, still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I don't want to be popular. If that popularity comes at the expense of character, if people know you, I am not saying people should not know you. People know Zach Poonan, of course, all of us know Zach Poonan, right? Do you know John Piper? Of course, we know John Piper. Will the fact that we exalt John Piper will affect him? No way. We know him, his character. He says, you know what, I put my mouth in the dust. I'm just like you. I remember the recent sermon that my wife was listening to at, I think, 71 years of age. And he says, you know, when I go to the airport and I look at pretty women, I struggle. And he looked at all of them. And he said, yeah, me, John Piper, at 71 years of age, I still struggle. That is the kind of preachers and those, those are the kinds of people I want to follow because they're not interested in public opinion. They want to be transparent. They're not showing off what they're not. See? They hate to give God glory. Do we have the lust for that? Why do we do things in the church? To gain approval? Or can we do things secretly? So secretly that even if some people do not appreciate you all your life, Hey, come on. That is too much, brother. That is too much. Nobody should know. Will you ask for the blessing of obscurity? Oh, we want to be popular. And therefore we will also fight (laughs) because we didn't get the popular vote. (laughs) Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 will say, if I try to please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know, popularity contest, public opinion is like passing clouds. Today they will say you are great, tomorrow they will say crucify. Simple. Brother, you are such a great brother. I remember that, no, I, 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 the, that, that movie scene in Muthiala Muggu. You remember that guy, the politician and the, and the Murdangam player? For those people who have not seen that movie, I saw it with my father when I was young, when I was like, just a few, uh, was like seventh or eighth grade, seventh grade. This movie comes in Del- uh, in uh, Durdarshan. Now this politician has a Mrudangam player. The Mrudangam player has a Chevala Puvu. You know what Chevala Puvu is, right? So whenever a guy comes for favor to ask for a favor from the politician, they'll start off. Ayagaru, 
మీరు చాలా గొప్ప నీలాగే వచ్చందరూ పొగడి సర్వాన్ పోయింది ఐ లర్న్ మై లెసన్ ఫ్లాటరీ పబ్లిక్ ఒపీనియన్ దట్స్ ఎగ్జాక్ట్లీ వాట్ నెబకెస్ ట్రిప్ వాట్ ఈ ట్రిప్ డాట్ రైట్ when they come and play the music then the timbrels and the and the guitar and the songs and everything what should you do everybody should bow down before your idol no chuck misler calls it the psychophant's symphony the symphony of the psychophant they all have a symphony popular opinion and they all what do they say oh you king live forever he also knows that he's not going to live forever but he's going to trip and everybody wants to get that approval and oh he feels so great king live forever is not going to happen see a popularity contest is there no the lust for glory it's a trips us into all kinds of sin and you see that in Saul flesh likes to take glory to itself spirit likes obscurity Jesus does everything quietly and he goes off that's what his his, his, his brothers are upset No one who seeks to be known will do things secretly. Show yourself publicly. He says, my time has not yet come. Your time is already there. And they were offended because of him. That's all, you see. Let's move on. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 19-21. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil? and do what was evil in the sight of the lord by the way the word pounce on the spoil is mentioned only two times in the entire old testament you know what where it is mentioned you will know okay two times only two times pounce on the spoil first samuel chapter 14 verse 32 the people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground and the people ate them with the, with the blood they had this incredible lust for the things of this world you see things of god don't attract them they are ravenous you see they are ravenous wolves that is the reason why he says in 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 in, in you you are you wolves in sheep's clothing you are ravenous as wolves you want to literally pounce on your flock and eat from them read ezekiel chapter 34 it's for the shepherds who feed themselves and not the flock pounce but have you pounced on the word of god you know the word pounce is used again for the word of god blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the lord and in his law he pounces day and night hege the word hege he meditates he devours it he like takes it like a bone like a lion and he crunches and he chews it and he just savors it day and night do we have that kind of love for the word of god i mean i mean these days i've i've been memorizing scripture the reason why i memorize scriptures for selfish reasons i'll tell you why when i'm going on the in the car or in the bike my mouth re 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 This is what is, comes out. I said, Lord, I don't want to do that now. 
So if I'm traveling on the bike to the Bible study, Romans chapter 8 comes. Peter comes. Not this Peter, first Peter. He comes in my mind. I just keep on memorizing and memorizing, memorizing, memorizing. Somebody comes and spanks me. Bless you. Memorize. Yeah, I love it. And I see connections here and there, you know. I say, boy, this is the word. I just love it. I just love the word of God. I love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? Do you devour and pounce on the word of God? You t- do you pounce on it? Or do you have the lust for other things? See, I've seen young people dying because of that. I've seen, I'll tell you, when I was growing up, the people who actually stayed the course are those people who love the word of God. And all the other things, people have fallen away on the side. I've seen them. Right from my childhood. Right, Childhood meaning from the days I got saved. People who love the word of God, who devour the word of God. I don't see that in many places. I hope it's not the case here. That you don't love it. You don't want to cherish it. This is, this is what I want to meditate upon every day of my life so that when I'm tempted, it becomes like a tote force inside of me. Just comes out of me and pounces everything that is not of God. Do you have that kind of a love? You see? That is the reason why it says, desire the pure, sincere milk of the word of God so that you may grow up in your salvation if you have tasted what? That the Lord is God. See? Pounced. They pounced. Flesh is the enemy of the cross. They are the enemy of the cross. That's what it says, right? Philippians chapter 3 verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You know? Yes, imitation is not necessary in the, you are all originals, but you don't have to just take that literally, imitate those who are following Christ. No problem. For many of whom have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walking as the enemies of the cross of Christ, that they are not enemies of Christ. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ and therefore we don't sing that song. The old, what cross? Rugged cross. Our crosses are not rugged brothers. They are smooth. They are very smooth. They are like fetishes. They are like ornaments around your neck. They are not crosses. See no cross? It's a rugged cross. You Do you cling to the old rugged cross? It's going to poke you. You touch it, it will be like, oh, this is rough. We like smoothness and we like smooth talkers. We like people who put us to sleep and not prick us when we are in the flesh. Navjot Singh Sidhu said this. Navjot Singh Sidhu. Okay. Those of you Nigerians who don't know him, he is one of the greats, so-called cricket greats. He said, bad habits are like soft beds. Bad habits are like soft beds. Very easy to get in, very difficult to get out. We're all used to smooth things. And when you're, you're used to smooth way of life, we want to give our children also a smooth life. Let them not face any trouble. Smooth. See? The enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they pounce on it, they're devouring, you see that? And their glory is in their shame, whose minds 
set. See, again a mindset coming over there. Mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, enemies of the cross, you see. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 16. What happened? That no one is sexually immoral, immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. He confessed, but he could not repent. He mourned, but he, could, he did not repent. That's what it means. See, if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, we of all the people are most to be pitied. Miserable. It's not now. It's later. Glory and immortality later, not now. We all want happiness now and holiness later. No, 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 no. Holiness now, happiness and joy later. Finally, 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 19 to 21. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. You see the denial. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of the Amalek. And I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. Look at, you see, he is so much in denial. You see, so many people are so much in denial. The flesh always tries to live in denial. They don't like to face up to the reality. Somebody else is a problem all the time. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice. And Samuel comes with these two powerful statements, which I believe we should always keep memory. We know this all. We know this all. But we need to keep on bringing this back to our mind. Samuel said, Has the Lord great delight or pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft. Presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. And you would think that Saul would repent. Look at his attitude, no? The next two verses. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, your God, Lord and your words because I have feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. Is he really repenting? You know what he does? Samuel said to Saul, I will not return to you for you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. I mean, it's really very, very pathetic scene. Sad. But do you think that this guy has repented? No, he has not. He uses a word, I have sinned twice in this context. Look at what he says. Next verse. Verse 13. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now before the elders. That's a problem. He's still not sorry that he has offended God. He's sorry because he's lost his honor before people. The lust for popularity. You see, that is the reason why there are only two options in Christianity. No, when you come to the pastor, tell everything. Don't hide. Don't try to hide. Either you come clean and say, "This is what I am." Otherwise, don't go. 
because you'll get wrong medicine. Don't. Either you have honor before men or honor that comes from God. We are the circumcision who have, who worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. He is a Jew that is one who is inwardly. Circumcision is of the heart by the spirit, not of the letter whose praise is from God and not from man. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul bowed before the Lord. You want honor from, from before people? Yeah, you'll get it. You never repented. You know, these days I tell my children, don't cry. Don't shed your tears without reason. They're very precious. You'll think that it is okay. Are, what do they understand when they're children? I want to tell them, don't cry without a reason. If you have cried, cry because you have offended God and not for anything else. Let it come into their minds. I don't know if they understand it. But let it come into their minds. Let me tell them as a father. Cried? You're crying? Mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. If you have mourned for your sin, it is awesome. If you mourn that you have offended God, it's awesome. But if you mourn that you are bearing the consequences for your sin, you still haven't repented, brothers. You can say, I have sinned. But it is still not true, genuine repentance. It's fleshly. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. That does not leave regret. But the sorrow of the world brings death. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. It was a sorrow of the world and not that he had offended God. It's a stubborn sin, brothers. It's stubborn. It was not going to go away. Flesh is stubborn. That is the reason why we are called stiff, naked, uncircumcised in the heart and the ears. We are stiff, naked people. But let us not reject the voice of the Holy Spirit. Flesh is stubborn. There is all stubborn areas in our lives. It's just stubborn, which you are bent upon. God says this year, this, this be the year that you will break that stubbornness inside each one of us. It's there at different levels. In different ways it manifests itself. But you know it is, what it is, and God knows. You want to experience God's overflow? Deal with it. Devote yourself to destruction. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We praise you, we worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise for this time. Father, speak to our hearts. Let this word that has been, that, that we have heard, let it not just disappear. Father, let it bear fruit in our lives. Let it bear fruit in our lives. So Lord, let it bear fruit. Give us the grace to devote ourselves to destruction. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. And we know it, O Lord, it is there in different areas, in different measures, in each one of us. For in our flesh, there is nothing good. Bring us us that realization, we pray. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.